Okay, take your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter number 6. I want to say it's a real joy for me to be back in the house of God. Thank God for this open door God has afforded us. Appreciate God letting us be in this place in these days. Revelation chapter number 6. And when you find your place, if you can, let's stand out of respect and reverence for the Word of God. Revelation chapter number 6, verse number 12. The Bible says, And I beheld, when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, And the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come. And who shall be able to stand? I want to take my text from verse number 15 where the Bible says, The kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. And I want to preach on this thought, Where are you going to hide? Where are you going to hide from God? Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you, Lord, for another opportunity we have to call upon your precious name. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. We thank you for your love and compassion toward us. We thank you for another open door, another opportunity you've given us to preach the Word of God. Lord, I pray that you'd revive thy work, revive this pastor, revive this church, and save precious souls for the honor and glory of God. And Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for what you do. Anoint us now to preach the word of God, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. In the truth before us tonight, we look through the book of the Revelation, and we find that in Revelation chapter number 6, God is opening the corridor of judgment upon this ungodly world. A lot of people think in their minds, why is God letting this world get away with all this wickedness? I want to say something tonight. God is not letting this world get away with anything. The cup of iniquity is filling up. And when the cup of iniquity is full, God is going to pour out His wrath upon this ungodly world. Revelation chapter 4 is a picture of what we know as the rapture of the church, the 
catching forth of the bride of Christ. Where the Bible says, and after this I look and behold, a door was open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard it was it was with a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither. And thank God, hallelujah, the church is going to be called out. But everyone that is left behind that does not know the Lord or has ever been pricked in the heart by the Holy Spirit and has never responded that conviction, that gospel call, is going to be left to suffer the wrath of Almighty God. They're going to try to hide themselves. The Bible says that they try to hide themselves among the rocks, the dens, the caves. They're trying to hide themselves from the wrath of the Lamb that sitteth upon the throne. But there's no place to hide. Where can you hide from an Almighty God? I'm telling you, it's an awful time that is told us in the Scriptures as we go through the different chapters of Revelation. And God pours out His wrath upon men that have cursed His name and reviled His work. And they're going to wish to God that they'd repented. I'm amazed to find out, as I read the book of the Revelation, that repentance is still the issue that man can't come to grips with. The Bible says, Brother Hammonds, that men did not repent of their wickedness. Yet the wrath of Almighty God is poured out upon them. So the question before us tonight, where are you going to hide? I say first of all, if you want to look over in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse number 3, you cannot hide your sin from God. There's no place that you can hide your sin. The Bible says in Proverbs 15 and verse number 3, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. There's no place that you can hide your sin from God. There's not much preaching on sin anymore from the average pulpit in America. One great man come to this country years ago and he wanted to find the secret of our great nation. He did not find it in the factories. He did not find it in the political system. But he went to the pulpits of America and found them aflame with righteousness. Men that would preach against sin. But that is no longer. Most preachers don't even say suey if the hogs is eating them. And I'm going to say, listen... I'm not down on every preacher, but I'm down on a lot of them. Because I'm telling you what, many preachers will not preach against sin. A man does not realize his condition before God until he realizes he has broken God's holy law. You cannot hide your sin from God. Oh, people don't want to hear about their sin today. They want you to cover up for them. They don't want to confess their sin. But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, The Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. 
piercing, even dividing asunder of soul and spirit of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open before him with whom we have to do. The Word of God, sir, will open up your life and expose it. I encourage many young preachers have come to me. And of course, I'm not an eloquent preacher. I don't claim to be. But I am God's preacher. And I tell them, make much of the Word of God in your preaching. I tell you, friend... We need to get God's message, God's power on our lives, and preach the Word of God. Amen. I'm not against being learned or studied, but I'm telling you what, friend, some people are about as dry as salt. God help us. The Word of God will open up a man's heart. It will discern even the thoughts and the intents of his life. Amen. That's the reason the Word of God needs to be preached with power and authority. The scribes were amazed at the preaching of the Lord Jesus because he was not as one of the scribes. He was not as the teachers, but he preached with authority. When's the last time you ever heard a message preached with authority? Average preacher in America stands up and makes suggestions. I don't think this is just a good thing for you to do. I believe you ought to do the Word of God. This is not a suggestion book. This is God's Word. And I must say tonight, you cannot hide your sin from God. God knows all about you. Whoso covereth his sin shall not prosper. But that man that confesseth and forsaketh them, that person will have mercy. Proverbs 28, verse 13. Psalm 66 and verse number 18. If I regard, that word means to look even favorably toward. If I even regard iniquity in my heart. Did you hear that? Even regard. Just regard iniquity in my heart. The Lord will not hear me. God, don't hear the praying of half the people in our average Baptist church. Because we look so favorably towards sin. You do realize that prayer hinders, listen, sin hinders your praying. God help us. Oh, we ought to have the attitude of the psalmist. Look in Psalm 32, verse number 5. Sure, we could be critical of the psalmist David. Some here could tell us about the sins he committed. But thank God he had an honest attitude about sin. When God dealt with his heart and he confessed his sin. That's better than the average Baptist today. The average Baptist makes no use of the altar. Makes no use of confession. When's the last time you've been to the average Baptist church where sin was confessed? 
I always encourage this in meetings where there's public sin, it needs to be publicly confessed. Private sin, I don't need to hear about it. Confess it to God. Amen. Right. I always encourage a member that has needs public confession, get with your pastor. He'll have wisdom to know whether it needs to be publicly confessed. It's a dangerous thing when you've got public confession. Amen. But he says in Psalm 32 verse 5, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. Hallelujah. Oh, the psalmist had a right attitude towards sin. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And thank God thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Meditate upon this. But I'm telling you today, most people think that they can hide their sin from God. Most people think they've got God hoodwinked. He is not a man as you, friend, and you cannot hide your sin from God. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Adam and Eve tried to hide their sin. In Genesis chapter 3, you find in verse number 8 that the Bible says they hid themselves amongst the trees of the garden from the presence of the Lord. Of course, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 1, it deals with the serpent that was more subtle than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And the serpent said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And deceive Mother Eve, product of that forbidden fruit, she gave to her husband with her. You better listen to me, men. They didn't fall when Eve partook the food. They fell when Adam. Then their eyes were opened. Why? That was her spiritual head. That was her spiritual head. I'm telling you what, friend, God has laid a grave responsibility on you men. As leaders of your home, as priests of your home, you have a great responsibility, amen, to lead them, if you're saved by the grace of God, in worship. I'm not fussing at you tonight, but I'm going to ask you a question. And I'm not fussing. How much does your children know about worship from you? You can take it as you want to. You can say, well, he's from the mountains. You know, they worship different there. Take it as you will. I'm going to be the same anywhere I'm at. But I watch my little girls. They, it's evident they need the Lord. You pray for them, amen. I'm telling you what, friend, I've watched my little girls. Sometimes Grace will raise her hands in the surface. Why does she do that? She's watched Daddy do it. She's watched Daddy worship. Little Bethany, raise her hands. Hallelujah. Oh, friend, we're not charismatic. We're acting like the Baptists did before they got full of Hollywood. Yeah, She's watched Mama in the choir raise
raise our hands with tears streaming down our face, rejoicing and praising God. What have your children learned from you about the matter of worship? Don't expect them to go any higher than you do. Amen. There's a grave responsibility laid upon us men to be the leaders in our home. You're to lead your home in prayer. How much time do you pray? How much time do you men pray? You don't impress me with your spirituality if you don't spend time in the secret place. You don't impress me. I'm not impressed. I am not impressed. And God's not. Because our spirituality should be come out from an outflowing heart of worship in private to God. God help us. That's the reason when Adam took of that forbidden fruit, the eyes of them both were open. He was right there with her. Why didn't he stop her? Why didn't he take his place as the leader of his home? That's what the Bible says. Gave to her husband with her and he did eat. The eyes of them both were open. But when God come calling, which he was acquainted with them in personal fellowship every day and commune with them in that garden, they were ashamed. Young man, when you get in the sinning business, you'll be ashamed. You won't want a fellowship with the preacher. I'm going to say something to you. You young people that's a member of this local church, your pastor is one of your best friends. You say, well, I think we need somebody, you know, younger, don't wear a tie, you know, looks like one of these jerks, amen, that can relate to the young people. You need a man of God that'll preach the hide off of you. That's what you need. Amen. God help us, friend. Your pastor's one of your best friends, friend. When you don't want a fellowship with a man of God, it's probably evident that you're involved in sin. They tried to hide themselves. But you can't hide from God. He come walking in the midst of the garden, in the cool of the day. Adam, where art thou? That's the question for you, young man. Where are you at? God's calling you. Where art thou? Joshua chapter 7, verse number 21. Achan tried to hide his sin. Wedge of silver and gold. Not much. Babylonian garment. Just a little thing. Baptists are no longer hiding the Babylonian garments. They're wearing them. It makes you sick in the average Baptist church what people are wearing. If it's long enough, it's too tight. Too split! Too low cut. It's wicked, amen? Thank God for you ladies that dress like ladies. Hallelujah for you. 
if you're not dressing in modest apparel, you need to move up and bump an altar, amen. I'm not just talking about church. You need to dress that way every day of your life. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God. You're not your own. For you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Some of these preachers, they make me sick. They go around in these short shorts. You know what they remind me of, sir? They remind me of anemic flamingos. Certainly some of you, amen, know what a Ram McMally map is, amen. You listen, it looks like one. Their legs with all those red and blue lines, amen. Looks like they want to cover that up. Did you know the Bible says you're supposed to cover up your nakedness? And that's good for the women. It's also good for the men. We don't want to see your pigeon legs. Amen. Just because you have been lifting weights, it's time to wear the tank top so you can show your muscles. It's pride, friend. Exactly what it is. God help us. Wedge of silver and gold. Babylonian garment. Hid it under the tent. Nobody knows about it. It's in my tent. It's hid in the tent. But God says somebody has stolen and men lost their lives. 32, I believe, men lost their lives as a result of one man's sin. Aiken. Have you ever noticed, Brother Hammonds, that the Bible says that somebody has dissembled? I looked up that word dissembled. It means to lie. Do you reckon Joshua got all the children of Israel and lined them up and asked them, Who took the possessions? Confess it now. And Achan had opportunity to make public confession, but did not. And therefore, he, his wife, his children, and all that he has was destroyed because of one man. Go ahead, don't listen to this preacher. Keep on in your bunch of worldliness, amen. You'll destroy your family. A little pet sin you got. You got hid in your tent. God help us. How many families have been destroyed because people would not deal with sin? David tried to cover up his sin, did he not? Second Samuel chapter 11. Saw a beautiful woman. Bathsheba were very critical of her. And I don't know how modest she was, but more than likely she was in the confines of her courtyard, which some people say was considered her home. And David on the balcony looked out at Bathsheba and listen, lusted after her. I'm going to tell you, young soldier, something if you're single. You're living in a precarious day 
because there's so much sexual promiscuity around. And hardly anybody says anything about, hey, if it feels good, go ahead, they say. But I'm going to tell you what God says now. God says that sin. Fornication, friend, and adultery is what David committed. Took another man's wife. Oh, I know what they say today. I oh, don't say nothing about that. That's the problem we're having. Nobody's saying nothing about it. That's the problem we're having today. Nobody thinks you ought to say anything about it. When you take another man's wife or husband, that's sin. You are committing sin. And David took that woman into his harem and lay with her. Bathsheba got pregnant. David's got problems now. King David has committed adultery with another man's wife. And now there's a babe that's come forth. David says, I will bring her husband home from the battlefield, from the battlefront. And of course, they'll have relations. This thing will be covered up. But Uriah was a man of more character than that. He said, the armies are in the field, and I have the right to go home with my family. More character than the king. So he's tried to cover this thing up with her own husband. Then he tries to have a drunken feast with Uriah. Get him drunk. Now he's committed adultery. Now he's committed the sin of drunkenness. Give him wine and put it to his neighbor's lips. Uriah lays out on the porch with the servants. He's not going home. He's a man of character. So David says, fills out the orders. They're sealed orders, sir. They're sealed orders. Gives them to Uriah. He's got sealed orders that he takes back to the battlefront. Put Uriah on the hottest part of the battle and pull back and let him die. And he takes those sealed orders back to Joab. I'll cover this thing up. You see, people, people in this day and hour, they really think they can hoodwink God. They really think that if they're sly and subtle about it, they can really cover it up. The orders go back and Uriah does die. But thank God God sent a preacher along. God sent a preacher along to David! And he stuck his finger in his face and said, Thou art the man! You're the man, David! Thank God David got right and he repented. But I'm going to tell you, the sword never departed from his house. Amen. I'm going to give you a word of wisdom here. You better consider this. God is a forgiving God. But if you cut off your appendage, amen. Amen. 
It may heal, but you ain't going to get a new hand. And you better consider it, young person, before you get involved in some of these sins and sexual sins. You can get forgiven. Yes, there's forgiveness with God. Hallelujah, He's a merciful Savior. There's some things you'll never restore. You can't restore your purity. You can never be virtuous again. That goes for the young ladies and that goes for you men. You young fellas, thank God for it. Appreciate you coming. But you need to be told. You need to stay virtuous. And listen, if you ain't been that way, ask God to forgive you. Hallelujah. And by the grace of God, amen, be virtuous until you go to a marriage altar. Me and Sister Rose met almost four years ago. To God be the glory. She was a virgin, and only by the grace of God, I was a virgin. We had a strange funeral. I'm kind of a strange fella. Or a strange wedding. (laughs) Hallelujah. My preacher preached at my wedding. (laughs) Yeah, I know my my family got all tore up about that. Hallelujah. And my preacher got tore up. He'd never been asked to preach at a wedding before. He said, you I said, I want you to preach. I want you to preach at my wedding. And he preached and I shouted. And then I got up after he preached and I preached a little bit. Amen. And long tails and a bow tie. And testified about the goodness of God. That God had led us together. God had kept us clean and pure for His glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It can be done for His glory. But you can't hide sin. David tried to do it. Ananias and Sapphire tried to do it. Acts chapter 5. The Bible tells us the church was flourishing in the days of the apostles. A good man of God had sold a partial land Barnabas, Barnabas, I believe his name was, come laid it down at the apostles' feet. And there's always usually an Ananias and Sapphira in about every church. And here they are. They're sitting on the front row since there's nobody sitting here. Amen. And they said, hey, hey, Ananias, I mean Sapphira, what? Do you see Barnabas up there? He's getting more glory than we're getting. Pastor's taking notice of him. He's getting more prestige around here. Hey, we got that piece of property, you know, on the North 40. Down there, let's go sell that piece of property down there. And what we'll do, we'll get back part of the price. But it's more than he gave, and we'll get more prestige. You'd be surprised, the people, if you took away their position, they'd leave the church. If they couldn't teach Sunday school, if they couldn't sing in the choir, they quit the church! Because they got to have some prestige in this church. <laughs> they got to be like diatrophies. They've got to receive all the preeminence. And so they did sell the North 40. And they kept back part of the price. And maybe, uh, maybe Ananias comes tripping in. Maybe he spent part of his that he kept back. Maybe he bought a Texas lottery ticket. Hoping to win the big ten million. 
Hey, y'all ain't buying lottery tickets around here, are you? And so he comes in. But God would give the apostle great discernment. God doesn't let him know what was going on. Did you sell the land for so much? Yea, for so much he lied about. Boom! God killed him on the spot. You better, got, you better be glad we're living in the church age. We wouldn't have many churches, church members left. Lying to the Holy Ghost! Well, here comes old Sapphire. Here comes Sapphire. Yes. It's going to use you, but the baby's sleeping. So here comes Sapphire. She probably got in from Walmart. Spending part of her possession. Amen. And she probably knew about the big blue light special down at Walmart or Kmart. Amen. And she comes in and she's got a new outfit on. If you've got a new outfit, I'm not preaching it's a new outfit. Amen. Thank God. Hallelujah. But here she is. Hey, man of God said, Hey, did you sell the lamb for so much? Yea, for so much. Boom! The people that gathered up your husband, they're waiting at the door for you. God killed them both. Why? For lying to the Holy Ghost. How many people we have in the church that lies to the Holy Ghost? Lies to, it's a serious thing to lie to the Holy Ghost. You can't hide your sin from God. We probably got people right here tonight that think you can hide sin from God. You've got your sin hid from God, but the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. God sees what you're doing. God knows what you're doing, son. I believe I was sitting there studying the other day and the office here, I may be mistaken, and they may not even have it. I may be mistaken. It may just be in the computer screen thing, screen saver. But you may have a camera here keeping an eye on everything. But you may have found out some way to cheat and none of the teachers found out about it. You know how to do it. Kind of like, you know, you don't have it here as far as I know, but ACE, you can go up and memorize some of the answer key. Act like you're checking yourself, then go and fill it out. God sees you doing that, friend. God knows you're a cheater! You can't hide your sin from God. I'm going to say something else. You should not hide your light. What did the Bible say? Matthew chapter number 5. Look over here, Matthew chapter 5. Verse number 15. The Bible says, Ye are the light of the world. You know, I so much enjoy singing the song, The Light of the World is Jesus. Maybe y'all sing that here sometimes. Thank God for that good song. And, the, and I'm not trying to fuss. And I'm not trying to pick at gnats, swallow camels. But as long as Jesus was here on this earth, that's a true statement. He was the lie of the world. 
But now that he's gone back to heaven, ye are the light of the world. He said, ye are the light of the world. Verse 14, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let me ask you something, saint of God, tonight. How bright is your light shining? As we go on base, the last couple of nights, I'm amazed the mission field that you young men have before you, that you intermingle and interact with those soldiers day to day. I asked you something tonight. What kind of light are you before the soldiers? How bright is your light? I challenge you tonight, Tabernacle Baptist Church, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set upon a hill. Having nuclear weapons and bombs and missiles, we really can't relate to biblical times a lot of times. A city that is set on a hill was very important in that it was almost impregnable from attack. It was a fortress. God says you are a city, dear saint of God, that is set on a hill for all the world to see. What is the world seeing demonstrated in our lives? We are a testimony to this lost and dying world. The Bible says in verse number 13, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It's thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. We are light. We are salt. We're keeping this world from being totally corrupted by the evil influences how much corruption are you holding back? I'm not, we're, not, we're not talking about the days of frigid air. They didn't have deep freeze back then. They preserved everything with salt. If you can relate, is any of the fellows in the military, is any of you from anywhere other than Michigan or, or Illinois? I ain't found a redneck yet, hardly. Man, Brother Keith. Hallelujah. But you know, back up the mountains, my papa, mama, all my relatives being hillbillies of Virginia and West Virginia, they would salt cure their meat. Hanging up in what is known as a smokehouse. I told this dear sister the other day, and I wasn't trying to be smart with us. I said, I think I seen something in the cupboard. And I, I don't know if she misunderstood. Uh, you know, but I'm just country. I'm just country folks, amen. You know, the, the shelf is the cupboard, amen. <laughs> and so they salt cured their meat. They would preserve the meat in salt and hang it up. And so about any utility building where I'm from, it's called the smokehouse. It will be the smokehouse or the outhouse, amen. amen. And I, I've known about both of them, Amen. I'm, I, even, even at 35 years old, 
I grew up playing in my aunt's outhouse. Amen. Amen. You kept everything down. Amen. But you, that was your fort. Hallelujah. You know. Hallelujah. Some of you fellas, y'all don't know what I'm talking Amen. We've got some modernized. Amen. We don't even know anything about that anymore. Amen. But we're the salt of the earth. God likens us to salt. Keeping back corruption. Now, your testimony. I want to ask you something. Your testimony. How about your testimony? How about it, young men out there at Fort Hood? How about it? How much corruption are you keeping back from this world? How much corrupting influence are you keeping off this world? Because you've got a godly testimony. Some people, they get along well with the world. Amen. I tell you what, there's so much like them. You shake the average Baptist up with the world, amen, pour them out. You can't tell which is going to hell first. Sad. Dress like the world. Look like the world. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. If you're saved by the grace of God, God's going to have you put clothes on. Not take clothes off. I'm going to preach against the wicked. You say, hey, you say, you shouldn't preach about what they wear. Right now, I'm preaching about what they don't wear and what they should wear. I will that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. Here's a good definition for modest. Long, loose, and flowing. Amen. Hallelujah. I always encourage young ladies. Here be good advice. Get you a full-length mirror. Don't have to necessarily be as wide, but it wouldn't hurt. Get you a full-length mirror and check out how you're dressed. First of all, ask your dad and ask your husband. Oh, I know. Some people say, well, I know. I know who he is. He's a male chauvinist pig. You say, I, would, I wouldn't marry you. Sister Rose done took care of that. Appreciate it. I don't need two wives. She's doing a wonderful job. Hallelujah. Sweetheart, Hallelujah. Yeah, listen. Sister Rose asked me about different things. Amen? Thank God for. Thank God for ladies that want to dress modest and be a light to this world. Not show themselves to the world, but be a testimony. Amen? You ain't been a testimony in this world looking like a naked Jezebel. God help us, amen. Now, if you're lost here tonight, it wouldn't hurt you to line up too. It wouldn't save you. But we're talking people who claim to be saved and supposed to be a light of the world. Amen. We're salt. If the salt, therefore, lost its savor, it is thenceforth good for nothing. Said that out. It said when the salt would get mixed with water or earthy substances. Are you getting the picture? Worldly substances. It wasn't good any longer as a preservative. But to be cast out, they'd use it like gravel. And they'd trot under the foot of men. And I'm going to use for you, when you have a worldly testimony, man, your testimony is getting trod under the foot of this world. Cause of Christ is at stake. 
I do what I do for no other reason but for the glory of God. That's why I live a separated testimony. Because I love Jesus Christ and I want to glorify Him. Now thank God for a good strong church. But I wonder what you'd do if you didn't hear this preaching. (laughs) Some people leave a good strong... See, I've been in this business now, traveling over this country, Brother Hammonds, hallelujah, for 14, 15 years. People don't fool me. People get out from under strong preaching like this, and they do what they wanted to do all the time. And they put on their pair of blue jeans, and they go out and live worldly and put on their short shorts and everything else. What you do, you ought to do it for the glory of God. And it don't make no difference where you go or what church you attend, amen. You ought to to glorify. Why? We're the light of the world. Hallelujah. I'm on display. Sir, I'm on display for my king. What kind of idea... What kind of idea does people get of Jesus when they look at my life? I I really wonder that. And we could go in all kinds of different areas. How about your attitude? You may dress right, but what about your cocky, arrogant, smug attitude? I, listen, God has to deal with me about this sometimes. But God don't get no glory out of me acting like a jerk. Now, I'm going to tell you something. As a young preacher, God's had to help me to learn to minister to God's people. I'm ministering to the heritage of God, to God's heritage. Pastors have me in to minister to their people, not to hurt their people. Minister to them. I wonder, just like Peter took the sword and cut off. I wonder how many ears through my attitude and my preaching, not being controlled by the Holy Spirit, I wonder how many times I've took the sword. I said, buddy, I was wielding that sword, but what I did, cut their ears off. And they don't want to hear another thing I've got to say. You've got to be careful, don't you? It goes in all. It's not just your dress. See, you can get all the externals right. What about that inward man? What about that pride? God gets no glory from that. God humbleth the proud. Amen. He exalts the humble. Say, preacher, you're getting close to closing time. We may not make 839. I'm just going to let you know so you wouldn't get nervous. Somebody said one time, Brother Rose, they knew a great preacher, and he is a great preacher. Thank God for him. He says, uh, so-and-so, Brother so-and-so, he preaches 30 minutes. You preach 30 minutes? I said, yeah, three. Three 30 minutes. Sometimes four. And, and, and I'm not fussing at you, but a lot of churches can't handle it. Sometimes I've preached five. God help us, friend. I know. You say, well, I worked long hours. I appreciate you working long hours. 
Sir, I've known what it was to be faithful to my local church in revival meetings, go to revival meetings. Brother Sammy Allen, I don't know if he's ever preached on this way. You think I preach long? He preaches long. Get out 10, get home, get time to get the kids settled down around 11, take a nap. I'm talking about two and a half hour nap. And got to get up so I can go to work and work. Amen. It's 6, 630 so I can get back to church. I know what it is to work long hours. I, I appreciate you. I'm not fussing at you. I'm going to tell you, friend, we need some help in this area right here. Because we're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. How much light are we demonstrating? Can anybody see Jesus in us? I mean, really, I mean, from day to day, you're going to reach people that I, I won't never come in contact with. Now, what kind of testimony are we? I'll never meet some of the people you'll come across. You could be shipped out to another area. I'll never see their faces. I'll never preach to them. What kind of testimony? Is anybody impressed with our lives that Really, it really comes down to it. Has anybody ever come up to us and said, you know, you're a Christian, ain't you? You're saved. You don't talk like us. You don't act like us. You don't go play. You're a Christian. I I wish somebody would come up. Hey, hallelujah. Like y'all been doing? I wish somebody would come up and ask me if I was saved. I was in the nursing home. Man, I'm concerned about. I'm really concerned about. I went to church with him for years. Never saw any fruit in his life. And I went to the nursing home. I've been dealing with him in the nursing home. And I said, Mr. Vaughn, I've come down here today and God's given me a message. It's he and I. God's given me this message. I'm going to preach this message to you. And I used the illustration. I said, I wish somebody would ask me if I was saved. I'd like to preach to him. He said, that's all you're looking for anyway is an opportunity to preach. I said, you better believe it. You better believe it, I am. Amen! And I opened the Bible and preached to him right there in the nursing home. And I preached loud! So the other fellow could heal too. God help us. Amen. I want to be a testimony, amen. Your testimony should not be hid. Your testimony should not be hindered. He said, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. You know what, Brother Harvey? Some Christians have got their candle under the bushel of the world. And they can't be a demonstration of God's grace because they're under a bushel. But they put it, you should put it on a candlestick so all the world can see. I ask you again, how bright are you? Verse 16, A godly testimony will glorify God. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And what? Glorify me? Oh, no. See, some people, they want to pop their spiritual galluses and say, look how hope... Listen, friend, I am only a testimony of God's grace, that's all. 
if there's anything about me, sir, that glorifies God, it's Him. It's not me. I'm telling you what. Listen, we need to have the proper attitude about this thing. He said that you may glorify my Father which is in heaven. And if anything you do, whether it be your motive of separation or whatever you do, if it's not to glorify God, it is sin! It's sin. I really want to bring glory to God. So you should not hide your light. And let me hit this real quick. You should not hide the gospel. He said in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 3, If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. What about you, some of you tonight? And I, I realize during the week you're working hours. Thank God that somebody will work. Amen? 50% of us are having to keep the other 50% up. Keep working. Hallelujah. God help us. Amen. We don't need no more shirkers. Amen. God help us. But I'm telling you one thing. What about some of you that used to come on visitation? What about some of you teenagers that used to come out and witness with the adults and fellowship with the adults? We tried not throwing off, but we tried the biscuit and gravy route at our church. We couldn't get nobody else to come that was coming. Just the regulars showed up. You can't even coax them with big skits and gravy. I'm talking about hillbillies. It looks like if nothing else, their God would be their belly and they want to eat. There ain't too many people interested in getting out in the harvest fields anymore. Getting out and witnessing, passing out those tracks. Getting a burden for souls. I'm telling you, young people, the gospel should not be hid. We need to get busy. Walmart, get you some tracks. Grocery store, get you some tracks. They're always telling you no soliciting. And I'm not encouraging this, amen. And it didn't happen here, so you don't have to worry about it. But me and my friend was in Walmart one time, and the manager said, Hey, you can't do this. You can't pass. He said, he played the dumb part. He said, I can't. Why can't I? (laughs) Just trying to get out the gospel. Hey, it's better than what you're doing. And they got cameras all over that place, sister. But sister, you know what he's doing? He's a book. Listen, he's involved in moonshine liquor and all that, drinking all that stuff before he got saved and God saved and all that. He was over there. Listen, he was over there sticking all the stuff in the Budweiser boxes and everything else. I said, I said, brother, they've got cameras all over here. I ain't condone it, amen, but if God leads you, amen, just hallelujah, amen. Can you imagine that fella? And a message, a message on hell right there, Amen. Hallelujah. Maybe he'll get somebody's attention. Amen. Hey, the gospel! The gospel should not be hid. You may be critical, but what are you doing? What are you doing? 
How much gospel are you getting out? I usually quote this verse every time before I street preach. Romans 1.16 I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. There's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first. And also to the Greek. Oh yes, I've been criticized for street preaching. But I ask you the question, what are you doing? I'm doing the best I can with the abilities I've got. You say, I don't like your style of preaching. What are you doing? I travel thousands, thousands of miles. Have paid expenses multiplied times to get the gospel out. Paid all of them. Paid all the expenses to God's glory. You know what? We have never went hungry one time. Some of the little churches, I preach to churches of ten. This is a large congregation compared to what I usually preach in. Congregations of eight, but God has met every need. Hallelujah. You say, oh, you're in it for the money? Shush your mouth. But God has met every need. <laughs> I'm a little overweight myself. Tells I'd be eating too much chicken. Amen? But you know what I've tried to do? I've tried to get the gospel out. I've tried to give to missions. Places I can't go. I've, been, I've had the privilege of preaching in Russia, Puerto Rico. Been invited to come to Africa. Been to Mexico. I'm doing my best to get the gospel out around the world where I can't go. I give the missions! Amen. I'm amazed what God lets us give. To God be the glory. I say this for God's glory, but maybe to provoke you. 40%, probably over 40% of everything goes through my hand goes into the Lord's work. And I'm longing for the day where I can live on the less and give Him more. I'm going to tell you, sir, God is able to meet your needs. To get the gospel out. To get the gospel out. Then there's no place for sinners to hide. Revelation chapter 6 and verse 16. Let me read that again. These people that are in the judgment of God, they said to their mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of Him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. I'm going to tell you, there's no place for you to hide. There'll be no place for you to hide. I look across the congregation night, and even some I believe God was dealing with last night. They may not be in the service, but you may be in this building. But there's no place for you to hide from God! You say, I don't want to sit on your... And I've had people do it. I've had pastors that couldn't... They could not announce me coming because their people wouldn't show if they knew I was coming. 
One lady in Alabama, one lady in Alabama, she said, Oh, I remember you. You're the fellow that always preaches on television and pants on women. Well, at least she remembered something I preached. <laughs> and thank God, you know, nursery, thank God for it. Hallelujah, not fussing at y'all. But, you know, the whole church in Alabama, I think every one of the women was going to the nursery at night. I said, how many ladies does it take to keep one baby? But you can't hide from God. I've had people tell me, Brother Rose, when you preach, it looks like you can look down in the very depths of my soul. I can't. But God can. There's no place for you to hide, sinner. You say, I'm going to... we got one more night. If I can just make it one more night. And I'm going to pack my bags. I'm going to pack my bag, And I'm going to leave. And I'm going to get out under all this church and everything. But when you get to where you're going, your destination, and you unzip or unpop, first thing you unpack is God because He's already there. He'll be right there. Be staring you in the face. Saying you need to repent. You need to get saved. You cannot hide from God. And you cannot hide from the judgment. Hebrews 9.27 And as it is appointed unto men once to die. But after this the judgment. Would you look at me here tonight? No karma. No such thing. It's a damnable lie. There's no such thing as reincarnation. There's no such thing as a second chance. Purgatory is not in the Bible. That's a, that's, that's a lie that's been taught by the Catholic Church that you're in a holding place until somebody can pray you out of purgatory. It's not real! Bible teaches that after you pass from this life, if you've never been and made your peace with God, you'll end up in hell. You say, preacher, come on, man, give me some relief. No, I ain't going to give you no relief. I'm going to keep the pressure on you. I ain't going to give you no relief. There is no peace, saith my God to the wicked. And if you die in your sins tonight, you'll end up in hell. And you'll stay in hell. My mom was listening to Brother Oliver today. You're talking about a Christian. <laughs> Man. Lord say my mom. It was a few days before she got birth the night before hallelujah amen glory to God my precious mom 61 years old hallelujah God's able save my precious mom amen I believe God dealt with some during the tent meeting she said God did and buddy I tell you she's an avid Christian in fact she let's just be honest she's a fanatic amen 
we got, we got these fans for these football teams. Why don't we have some Jesus fans? That's what a fanatic is. They're a fan. They're an avid fan. My poor relatives, they'll come to the house, amen, and mom loves them. But I tell you what, they can't take it. That's all she wants to talk about is Jesus. That's all. And, and listen, they, they, some of my relatives were supposed to stay at her house several days, and they decided to pack up and leave early. Because that's all she talks about is the Lord. Thank God for witnesses. She was listening to Brother Oliver today, and she said that Brother Green said that hell is the jail, the holding place for the damned departed souls, and then the lake of fire is the penitentiary. And there ain't going to be no parole. Sinner! There'll be no escape! I'm going to live all my life. I'm going to get by. You ain't going to get by. You ain't getting by with nothing. The old Negro spiritual said, God's a right. He's a rotten all the time. He's a right. And he's keeping the record. He's keeping your record. Are you saved tonight? Are you born again of the Spirit of God? Where are you going to hide, sinner? As the heavens and the earth, just like a scroll, or scroll back. And there you stand in the universe. There's no place to hide. And you stand before God. And the books are open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. That lawyer that just passed away, they say a couple of days ago, Dad told me about it. Or somebody told me about it. They defended the fellow out in California, Mr. O.J. You won't have a crooked lawyer to get you out. There'll be none of that shenanigans with God. He's got all the evidence. You're proved guilty as charged. And you're not going to finagle God. Oh no, friend! There's no escaping the judgment! And I want to say, saint of God, you're not going to escape the judgment. There'll be no place for you to hide. We're going to the judgment also. Bema seat. Judgment seat of Christ. People say, no matter how you live as a Christian, no matter. You know? There's therefore now. I can hear some of them that debated the issue with there's therefore now. They rest the scripture and say, There's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. And that's where they stop. It says, Who walk not after the flesh? after the Spirit. And you live a carnal life, I believe you're going to watch your work burn. 
You're going to suffer loss. There's a downplaying, Brother Harvey, of the judgment of God today for saints. And I believe it. I believe when he died on the cross, past, present, future, but I believe we're going to give an account for our work. That's what the Bible says. And some are going to stand ashamed on that day. And the works, look at that word, manifest. Every work shall be made manifest. Public display. God's going to know the motives for why you did what you did. That's one thing that's going to be... See, there ain't none of you that know why I do what I do. There ain't, not, there ain't a one of you. This pastor barely knows me and thank God for him. But there ain't none of you know the motive which I go and why I preach the way I preach. You think it's going to make me popular? Do you really think that? I certainly wouldn't preach this way. But God knows the motive. And on that day, while you set up in tents all over the country, while I preached on street corners, while I preached in nursing homes, jails, anywhere they'd let me preach, I'm preaching a barn, amen. I'll probably have a permanent jail ministry for too long. It won't be too long, amen. God help us. God give us grace. And I'm going to tell you, friend, on that day, Brother Hammonds, the motive, why you'd come day after day try to minister to these students, put up with them. You certainly probably got to forbear. That's right. You probably got to forbear some of them, amen. God help you. Amen. It's probably not easy. Can you imagine teaching me in school? Oh, my. I know what the pro- I'm reaping what I've sowed. Amen. I tell you what, motive. Your motive for service is going to know, be known on that day. And a lot of things are going to be manifested. People that say, well, it don't make no difference. I'll just live a worldly carnal life. You're going to watch it. Burn! You're going to watch it. Burn at the judgment seat. Amen. You're going to stand there with ashes. Must I go on empty-handed? Ashes. Paul said, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And one good brother said, oh, Brother Rose, he was talking about the terror of sinners. He was afraid that, no, it's dealing with the judgment seat, friend. That's 2 Corinthians 5.11. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We ourselves are made manifest to God. Trust also made manifest your consciences. Paul said, I fear to face the judgment. I'm not going there to see where I'm saved or lost. Not going there to see where my good outweighs my bad. If you're at the judgment seat of Christ, you're saved by the grace of God. But I'm going to tell you one thing. I don't want the blood of all these souls that had opportunity to be a testimony, to be a light, to be a witness to, dripping off my hands, pouring off my hands. Can't hide from the judgment. But I want you to take your Bibles. Turn to one more verse of Scripture. Psalm 32, verse 7. 
You cannot hide sin. We may have some people here tonight that think really you can pull one over on God. You think you can get away with what you're doing. You ain't hid nothing from God, friend. You can't hide your light, or you should not hide your light. The gospel should not be hid. No place for sinners to hide. You can't hide from the judgment. But thank God, hallelujah, you can hide in Christ. Look what the Bible says. Psalm 32, verse 7. Thou art my hiding place. Hallelujah. If you're here tonight and lost, tell you what you ought to do. Run for refuge to the cross. Hide in Him. Don't delay! I wonder how many people in this meeting house tonight when Revelation chapter 6 is literally fulfilled after the rapture of the church will be trying to hide themselves. I'm going to stress this and stress it hard. It's not your righteousness that gives you a right standing in the sight of God. I don't care how clean you live, and I am for clean living. I'm against your sin, my sin. I'm just against sin, period. But I'm not trusting what I do to give me a right standing in the sight of the Holy God as far as my salvation. No, friend. I'm trusting Him. And sinners, I'm telling you tonight, He's a merciful Savior. He loved you so much, He came from heaven's glory. Died on an old Roman cross. Was buried and rose again the third day for our justification. There's none more lovely than Him. He's a wonderful Lord. He's a wonderful Savior. And you can hide in Him tonight. God's dealing with your heart, sinner friend. I would not delay. Not put it off. Do business with God. You know what the key to this service is, Brother Harvey? Saints. You've not felt led to deal with you one night yet until tonight. There's some of you right here tonight not right with God. You may not be right with one another. You may not be right with your pastor. You better do, you better do business with God tonight in light of the judgment seat of Christ. Because judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. Let's bow our heads. Through preaching. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for the Word of God. Oh, how precious it is. Thank you for the power of the Word of God. Thank you for anointing us to preach. I pray that, Lord, your perfect will will be accomplished in this service. Only the Lord knows what could transpire in these days if everybody would be obedient to the Holy Spirit. I pray that saints would do business with God.
Maybe some of them, Lord, has been trying to hide their sin. Some of them, Lord, may have been trying to hide their light. Lord, some of them, Lord, has not been faithful. They've got slack, given out the gospel, given personal witness. And here we have all these souls around us perishing without God. Oh, Lord, how we need to be a bright and shining testimony in this day and hour before Jesus comes back. And I pray for precious souls who are unprepared to meet you. I pray in Jesus' name that you deal with their hearts and save them by your mighty power and grace. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.